0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I hope you are ready to go because today's show is jam-packed. It's going to be a doozy. We've got a couple of very big American soccer stories that we are going to cover from pillar to post right here on Soccer Morning. More than anything else, these are the kind of days I feel like we were made for, that this is why Soccer Morning exists, what's going to happen on today's program. Jonathan Tannewald, the goalkeeper on Twitter, a man who works at Philly.com and has been covering Philadelphia soccer and the Philadelphia Union since their inception, has some pretty explosive things to tell us regarding the lawsuit, actually regarding the allegations made against Peter Novak, in uh, in response to a lawsuit that Peter Novak uh, filed against the Philadelphia Union for wrongful termination back in 2012. I know what you're thinking. It's 2016. Yes, that's how long these things take. Uh, lots of discovery, lots of uh, background here. We'll get into those allegations and what chance Peter Novak's lawsuit actually has with Jonathan Tannewald in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll also have a couple of details in the news which I will get to momentarily, also on this program, Brendan Doherty, a man who writes at uh, Bent Musket over at SB Nation. Uh, he's from Rochester, New York. He also does um, a-, a show called the USL Show that covers that particular league, and we have some pretty explosive stuff out of USL today as the Rochester Rhinos' ownership has been stripped of their franchise rights as USL scrambles to find a new ownership group For one of the legacy teams in that league, the Rochester Rhinos go back quite a bit, uh, quite a ways in American soccer terms, and they are the last team not in MLS to win the uh, US Open Cup uh, back in 1999. There was actually a brief period of time where Rochester, New York, was a serious MLS expansion candidate. We'll come to the situation with the ownership of the Rhinos and what's next for that team with Brendan Doherty at 9.40 a.m. Eastern. So there you go, just so you know. First Jonathan Tannenwald, then Brendan Doherty, two big American soccer stories. Let's dive in to the news here. These are going to lead the way. USL takes control of the Rochester Rhinos, begins search for a new owner. Rochester, Rochester, the last uh, non-MLS team to win the Open Cup in 99. As I said, USL Chief Marketing Officer Tom Veet, who, by the way, It might be, is it Veet? Are we sure about the pronunciation? I'll check on that. He's going to be on the SiriusXM show a little bit later on today. So if you have SiriusXM, be looking out for that. He flew into Rochester to work um, on a deal to get the team uh, transferred over to somebody else to find a new ownership group. The USL terminated the franchise agreement after the city of Rochester terminated owner Rob Clark's lease on the stadium due to past due rent and tax bills uh, basically the city said we're looking out for the taxpayer um the we 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 can't uh we can't have a lease with somebody who's not paying these bills meanwhile owner rob clark uh, a banker from utica has said that he's been running at a significant loss uh with this team the finances of lower division soccer in the united states rearing its ugly head once again moving on to that other big story details Peter Novak's time with the Philadelphia Union have come to light as part of the lawsuit against the team for wrongful termination. Jonathan Tanawell tweeted several pages of those allegations um, uh, of that lawsuit last night on his Twitter feed at The Goalkeeper. I highly suggest you go and read this stuff for yourself. We will review as much of it as we can. Uh, These allegations of what went on behind the scenes during Novak's uh, tenure are pretty pretty inflammatory. Allegations including uh, incidents of hazing, denying the existence of concussions, forcing injured players to participate in fitness training. Uh, It it goes on and on and on. Novak was fired in uh, 2012. Uh, Again, the issue here isn't it, it, it's, if you're wondering, okay, well, how can a coach sue for wrongful termination? If the union had said, well, you're not doing a good enough job as the coach and we're not winning games, I imagine this might not be an issue. Unfortunately, the union lined up all of these um, these allegations against Novak, said he violated several terms of the CBA, MLS rules, etc., which led to his termination and then did not give him an opportunity to respond or something to that effect. Again, we'll get into this with Jonathan Tannewald momentarily. The U.S. Men's National Team January camp has been changed at the behest of a number of veteran players. This is per Grant Wall at PlanetFootball at SportsIllustrated.com. The camp originally included 33 days and a week-long fitness program to start out. Players uh, were not happy about this idea, and the uh, federation responded. They shortened the camp. Now several players who originally were on Klinsman's preliminary list of 36 look like they will not be involved at all, including Clint Dempsey, Nick Raimondo, Graham Zussi, Kyle Beckerman, Brad Evans, Chris Wanolowski, And Omar Gonzalez. Players uh, also, just a a point of reference here, are only paid for the friendlies that happen at the end of the camp and only then if they make the game day roster. So they get a small per diem for being in camp, but don't get paid for being there for as much as 20, 25 days. Uh, Only get paid if they make the game day roster. Uh, I can see why there might be some grumbling. Capital One Cup semi-final first leg action yesterday. Jordan, uh, is it Ebay? That's his name. Jordan Ebay scores the winner for Liverpool. Uh, meanwhile, they lost Philippe Coutinho, uh, Coutinho and Dejan Lovren to hamstring injuries in the first half. So a bit of a problem there for Jurgen Klopp. Today, Everton and Man City in their first leg semi-final. College star and Seattle Sounders Academy product Jordan Morris will turn professional. This is per a release from Stanford University where he played his college soccer. Despite his amateur status, the 21-year-old Morris already has seven senior caps for the U.S. Men's National Team under Jürgen Klinsmann. He's expected to sign a homegrown, tr- homegrown contract with the Seattle Sounders w- where he played his academy soccer and, and where his father is a team doctor. This is reportedly the richest homegrown offer in league history, but Morris is currently in Germany training with Werder Bremen, likely at the behest of Jurgen Klinsmann. So there may be some options available to Jordan Morse. That saga goes on. We will wait to see what his decision might be, uh, but I actually expect in the end he'll sign with the Sounders. All right, here we go. This is going to be a good one. Get yourself ready. First up, Jonathan Tannewald, the goalkeeper, Philly.com, Peter Novak versus the Philadelphia Union. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
1: Welcome back to
2: Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
0: Here we go back on Soccer Morning. Uh, one of the more interesting developments late last night on Twitter in American soccer was the sudden appearance of a bunch of documents through the Twitter feed of one Jonathan Tannenwald, who joins us now from Philly. dot com. All of these documents related to the lawsuit Peter Novak has filed against the Philadelphia Union for wrongful termination. Jonathan, how are you? I'm fine. Uh...
2: I'm enjoying the musical interlude here.
0: Uh, you know that song is called "Joyride." I don't think uh, Peter Novak's time with the Philadelphia Union was such a thing. Um, John, just, just okay. First of all, let's 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 paint the background very briefly because I think some people might be surprised there's a lawsuit because it's taken so long to get to this point. All right, th- this lawsuit was originally
2: filed back in 2012. Uh, in fact, right on the eve of the Major League Soccer All-Star Game, which coincidentally happened to be in Philadelphia, um, and the the crux of it is that Peter Novak uh, sued the Philadelphia Union for wrongful termination, believing that he was owed money on his contract that he was not paid. Okay, and this has gone back and forth and back and forth, and within Novak's contract, which is now a matter of public record, um. It states that basically the short form of it – and this is – there's like thousands and thousands of pages of this thing. So apologies if I take my time a little bit trying to shorten some of these things. Just about everything possible within this contract, if there's a dispute, has to be settled by binding arbitration. But there was a clause in the contract which allowed Novak to basically sue the team, seek legal relief or equitable relief. If uh, if he wanted to. So that's what he did. OK. OK. And this whole back and forth for years now has been the union trying to say this should be decided by an arbitrator. And Novak's uh, Novak and his attorney is trying to get it into a federal court. And the, it was already once tossed out of federal court, sent back to the arbitrator. The arbitrator ruled against Cheney. Sorry, ruled against sorry, uh, ruled against Novak. They appealed. The arbitrator ruled against Novak again. And they've appealed again. So this thing is technically still open which is why the team hasn't said that much about it.
0: Right. So so the 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 union for their part um in in light of these revelations can't really do a whole lot in terms of addressing them publicly because the the lawsuit remains open. Um, well and also the fact that the the two two of
2: the key players arguably the two key players are no longer with the are, team. Are, well three yeah right three technically Diego Gutierrez um Peter Novak and Nick Sakevich. and almost almost all of the supporting actors, as it were, are no longer with the team either. Um, John Hackworth is gone. Rob Vertusian is gone. The ones who are left are uh, the head trainer and two of the owners, Dave DeBuscher and Jay Sugar.
0: So uh, we we come to uh, you know again to sort of go over everything that 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 was revealed in these documents is 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 not impossible. Uh, again, go. Check out Jonathan's Twitter feed for some of it, um, uh, including you know he, images that he uploaded there to the internet uh, for your reading pleasure. But John, some of this stuff—I mean, again, let's let's remember that this is Novak suing the union. At this point, it, it then becomes the union's responsibility when when responding to say, "Well, here are the reasons he was fired." Um, and, and if if I don't have this wrong, and we'll get into some of the details here that, that were revealed in a moment. But if I don't have this wrong the the problem the part of the problem that novak has or novak's lawyers have pointed to is that while he was fired for what the union say is cause related to several uh, violations of league rules and and and, and the like he, he ultimately says he was not re- allowed to respond to those is that what it is or or that he wasn't given a chance to apologize or... that's correct that he wasn't he wasn't given a chance to um
2: a genuine chance to to clean up his act
0: Okay, <laughs> and the union
2: basically said, "Yeah, no, we have the ability to fire you pretty much whenever we want for any reason." And the the arbitrator said, "Yeah, the union are right."
0: Okay, I mean, I, again, this seems like very shaky ground for Peter Novak to be standing on. I just it, wanted to it, establish I, that. I don't want
2: to say that directly because I'm trying to be the impartial observer in this. But everybody in the legal community who I've talked to has told me that Novak is on shaky ground here.
0: Yes. Okay. Now let's come to again. Let's let's put this all into the realm of. Um, uh, you know, uh, I I don't know how to say this. I mean, we we have no reason to doubt that these things happened. They are included in the lawsuit uh, with testimony from several different parties involved. Ah, but except I want to cut you off there. Okay, go ahead.
2: I wouldn't go so far as to say we have no reason, no reason to doubt any of this because everything that came out last night Came out from filings made by the two sides who were trying to establish their different sets of facts.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, look. Again.
2: And, and this, what, well, what this, a lot of this is why everybody was jumping on me last night about John Hackworth's role in this. Okay. Because the one of the statements from Novak's side said that John Hackworth and Rob Vartuion. Filmed one of the hazing activities that Novak um, performed upon his right. players,
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: and I, I'm I can barely I could barely even read through some of that stuff with a straight face. So apologies in advance to the listeners. Um, but it's all out there. I tweeted it last night, and I said, and and some number of people saying, well, U.S. soccer has to answer this because John Hackworth, you know, blah blah blah, on on, and and yes, John Hackworth probably has to say something about what happened, uh-huh. but. In reading this and thinking, this is Novak's side of the story, there's no mention of what Hackworth's perspective in the moment was, was my boss asking me to do this. Right. I can't really say no when he's really angry. I don't know if there was any coercion or whatever. I don't know if there was or wasn't any coercion. But Hackworth is innocent until proven guilty, especially when sure yes the, yes the assertion here was not. A statement of fact, but by a statement of by one side in the case. I'm yeah, yeah. Look, look, look.
0: A lot of this is uh, amounts to, uh, yeah. He said, a, he, said. He, he said. He said. He it, said. It's, it's one side versus the other. So let, let's just let's just point that out, especially stuff like again ha- hack Horse involvement, and 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 I even have you know directly on my feed two minutes ago somebody listening to us. Uh, here this morning, John says, "What do you think U.S. Soccer will think of a of their new U seventeen coach condoning videotaping and showing hazing of young men?" Condoning is the wrong word. We we don't know any of that necessarily. Um, and, and again, what we've got though is is when it comes to Novak directly, is uh, again some, I'm going to call them allegations because at the time for the time being, I think that's what we have to do, John.
2: I, I, most of it are allegations. A fair amount of it at this point has been established as fact, and what I would say is um i i I want to to use your phrase pull back the curtain here for just a moment on a couple of things in this one is that i've been waiting a long time as many people have for last night to happen for most of the history of this case all of this information was under seal by order of the arbitrator and a previous judge in the court the judge changed and the new judge came along and said in essence I don't see why all of this stuff has to remain sealed and off the record uh-huh. and, that, and so in a ruling in the middle of December he said both, both sides wanted to keep this stuff under sealed the union wanted to keep this stuff under sealed because they didn't want all the embarrassing details about themselves to get out sure so I, that this stuff so, all happened we, on their not, watch but innocent in this thing
0: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that all of this happened. Let, let's, regardless of whether or not you want to put, you know, say the, uh, Peter Novak comes off as the bad guy here, and, and in a lot of cases, uh, these uh, these allegations, he does, or some of this stuff that happened, he, he certainly does. The team allowed this to happen, and then they, there comes. Uh, let, let's before we we get to what the union did at one point, despite evidence that that hacker or the, sorry that uh, that Novak was doing things he probably shouldn't have been doing. Let's just go through a couple of these things. We don't have to you don't have to address them all directly, John, but I think uh, it's it's interesting to uh, to 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 list some of these uh revelations. Um you know, this is all I'm actually using the the Reddit Reddit thread on this story because somebody actually helped us out by putting all these uh all of these things into individual notes. No I, I haven't even had time to 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 write up a proper story yet. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> Novak, Novak denying players co- collectively bargain vacation days. I mean that that's that's of the uh, that's the that the least of these uh, <laughs> of these allegations. Uh, denial of water on a ten to twelve mile run uh, in 2012, during which Novak physically took the bottles from the trainer and threw them in the bushes, forcing injured players to participate, which is obviously uh, beyond the scope of the CBA and and just a wrong thing to do in general. Um, uh, an unnamed player traded two weeks after telling the players association or players union. About some of the things that Novak was doing. So a retaliation. Is, right. Go ahead. And,
2: and that's I want to stop on that one real quick. Um, the. That's a bit. People were asking me last night why that is a big deal. Um, it's pretty fundamental when you're in a labor union that you have an ability to complain anonymously to your union about un save for unfair working conditions.
0: It's protecting whistleblowers in general, but specifically right. in this labor situation, absolutely. If you don't have the freedom to, to, to say what's happening, then it, no one's ever going to get called out for, for and, and, yeah. and
2: Novak's side, in, in, in their arguments, kept saying, well, we don't know who actually did this, and nobody's willing to come forward and say they did it, therefore we can't prove it. And as the arbitrator rightly went back to them, no, this is a fundamental part of collective bargaining and labor law. Stop it.
0: Yeah. So right, I mean, I, that, that's that, that's ridiculous. I mean, to, to try to stand on this, well, it, this is not one of those situations. the the, the laws uh, or the rules of the courtroom do not apply in this in this dynamic. You do not have the right to face your accuser when you are management and they are labor. Right. Yes. All right. So we have. We have that one. We have Novak uh, making light of the. F- this was a big one last night, and obviously several big figures in American soccer took note of this one. In fact, I think I think Taylor Twellman commented that he had heard Novak say this before. Novak making light of the fact that players said they had concussions, saying that they didn't exist. That in Germany, you take a pill and you play. Um, failing to comply with league rules by creating an atmosphere where players felt they needed to hide concussion symptoms. I mean, it speaks directly to what you're talking about, John. If a player doesn't feel, if a player thinks his playing time and therefore perhaps his bone or, or his salary is going to be uh, damaged by a coach uh, who's, who's going against uh, collectively bargained rules or league rules for that matter what 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 uh, what motivation does he have to speak out and, and go back to his union or to the league to express these concerns
2: and this was before you know the salaries were where they are and we're talking 2011 2012 here and you know this was before the salaries jumped up to where they are now so the salaries even. Lo- My point being that the guys were making even less money than than they are now. Um, I want to note one other thing. There's a there's a very important reason why there are no players named in any of all of the players names in the. Oh, by the way, that reminds me.
0: The 714 page. Yeah, John, I don't know what's going on. It seems like maybe uh, maybe Novak's side is trying to uh, block the, the, the. Well,
2: sorry. We've got just, some. I have in my hand the 714 pages of paper. Okay. But I promised the sound effect I would drop on my desk. So here goes. All right. Uh, <laughs>
0: that's, it's a lot of paper, uh, a lot of dead trees. We we're still killing trees in the modern age uh, uh-huh. when it comes to lawsuits uh, specifically. Um, you know, just a couple of things. I'll run these down pretty quickly. Not all of these are quote unquote big deals, although they are certainly violations of rules that, that uh that Novak knew were in place. He played trial Go ahead. As as finish my one quick thought. Yes, go ahead. When the judge ordered all of this stuff to
2: come out. He said the only things that 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 will be redacted are names or identifying information of the players. Including quote the minor involved in a hazing incident, end quote, which means that somebody at the time was under eighteen. Well I think we could all do the math there. Uh yeah, I did. Um, and to quote, evidence of the substance and communications between any players and the Major League Soccer Players Unit. Everything else was published. The rest was redacted. That's why the names are off the record. I named two players in one very limited circumstance last night, which was Novak playing players uh, in – friendlies for which tickets were sold and therefore right. they made money off of right uh who were academy players and not signed by the team and mm-hmm. thus not part of the players union that was a violation of the cba it happened yeah. twice in 2011 and uh novak uh novak basically the first time it happened was in a game against everton the player was christian hernandez i know that because he's the only academy player who played the game mm-hmm. uh todd durbin who everybody knows is an executive at Major League Soccer, uh, spoke with Peter Novak. Novak uh, said he he knew it was a violation for the unsigned player to, uh, to play. He did it anyway. So they he said they said don't do it. They did it again with Jimmy McLaughlin in the subsequent yeah. game against Real Madrid. Oh, he didn't care. Fifty seven thousand people, the Lincoln Financial Field, yeah. they made a ton of money off of. Yeah. Then they played a trialist in a in a exhibition game against Harrisburg. Uh, which um, which uh, also violation. there were tickets yeah. for, so they made some money off of. Uh, Novak, and I'm going to read here from the case filing, spoke with Todd Durbin and informed him that he understood it was a violation of the unsigned player to participate in the gated exhibition game, but he decided to play the player anyway. He also informed Mr. Durbin that he disagreed with the rule and would do it again. Uh, because of this, Don Garber fined the union $25,000. Yeah. Uh, the Union reduced the fine to fifteen thousand dollars through negotiation with the league uh because what what could they do you know right exactly uh, yeah uh, the other ten thousand dollars was held in abeyance in case there were future violations further this is the point a point that i 've been trying to follow up on with the team, which in general with the stuff is pretty helpful with me, but this is one that needs to be followed up on over the course of the next few days quote furthermore within the philadelphia union organization the team manager is responsible for the signing of all homegrown players in this regard on or about may 1st 2012 the league concluded that the union viol- the philadelphia union Violated the league's homegrown player rule and sanctioned it as followed: one, loss of seventy-five thousand dollars in allocation money; two, a thirty-five thousand dollars fine payable immediately; three, should the player be transferred, and I don't know who this player was, which is a determination that will now solely be made by the league. The league will retain two-thirds of the transfer revenue, with the Philadelphia Union only receiving one-third. Huh. Wow. Now both of the both of the players in question of the both of the academy players who they were sanctioned for using. Christian Hernandez and Jimmy McLaughlin are no longer with the Philadelphia Union. Right. Maybe they weren't good enough, but I, that set off all manner of alarm bells with me
0: last night. Yeah, there was another uh, another set of alarm bells that uh, went off regarding the the testimony about uh, from Shep Messing uh, regarding his conversations. <laughs> I, 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 that. Yeah, with Peter Novak. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, Peter Novak and Shep Messing, and, and this is a little bit of news to me, are are apparently very tight, and uh, and, and Shep Messing, and Sakevich have been very tight. Okay, for a long so, time. Shep is you know Shep has been in American soccer circles for quite some time. He's 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 uh, uh, you know he's one of those guys. Um, he uh, close to to figures within the union may have even been the guy to suggest to Scekavice that he hire Peter Novak, which which wouldn't
2: surprise me, and I've heard that because again. You know, when Skevich ran the Metro Stars, Messing was around
0: there all the time. It's fine, there's nothing per se wrong with that. It's the rest of the stuff that was a problem. So, at one point in the documents that you put out last night, John, and I think timeline obviously matters here. There's uh, uh, there's Shep Messing testifying to a conversation he had with Peter Novak, in which Peter Novak talked about how how broke the union were. Uh, he needed to get out of Philadelphia, and that they hadn't paid their tr- their expansion fee. Can we can we go to that detail and you give me some background there? Yeah, and then after that we'll go to the
2: stuff about messing trying to help Novak um, get other jobs. Okay. Um, okay. The conversation took place, according to a sort of an aggregation of filings by both sides. At a U.S. Open Cup game at Red Bull Arena in 2011. Now, there was only one U.S. Open Cup game at Red Bull Arena in 2011, as best I can tell, and the union did not play in it. They did not have a game that day. I guess that Novak might have just gone up to New York to meet with Messing or something like that. Um, the Red Bulls were playing, I think, what, New York FC or some, some amateur team? FC New York, I think it was called. Um, <laughs> at about which failure, time, man. according to... Messing, Novak went off on this rant about how the union didn't have any money. And that included the fact that as of that point in time, they had not in full paid the franchise fee for joining, which it was later. I first thought that was their expansion fee uh-huh. for joining the league. Uh-huh. Um, that was. Okay, here it is. From Novak's filing, um, I have to get the hell – the quote was, I have to get the hell out of – Mr. Novak claims in in confidence he told Messing, quote, I have to get the hell out of Philadelphia. These guys are stupid. They don't know what they're doing and they're broke. They have no money, end quote. And then in Novak's side's filing, if Mr. Novak actually said this, well, this was undoubtedly not Mr. Novak's wisest moment. The suggestion that it constitutes a material breach for which he could be terminated for cause without notice of the opportunity to cure, i.e., sue them. Or changes sorry, cure his change his behavior, is unreasonable if not laughable. Furthermore, the concerns were at the time justified the team had not and could not pay its required franchise fee. It was reasonable for any employee to be concerned about their security in the future. I immediately called the union's head of P- the team's head of PR when I saw that. Try to get a clarification on there. I'm going to thank Chris Winkler publicly on here because it was very helpful to me last night. He took every single one of my phone calls, no matter how late they were, and tried to help me out. Now, it was uh, – I, I flagged that, tweeted it. It caused a stir. It was quickly pointed out to me by, of all people, our friend Maxi Rodriguez that um, it's it, – at that point in time, it wasn't really anything new for MLS expansion teams to pay their franchise fee and in installments, which makes lots of sense. Right, right. So the, the team got back to me fairly uh, quickly and noted that they basically had a plan, a, a payment plan set up with MLS, which they adhered to and they paid the thing as they were supposed to. Okay. Um, but they could not was the interesting phrase to me and lots of other people um and that's something that will take a while to dig into but at the same time it was uh you know four years ago now
0: well sure sure. John. just to establish it are we talking about the the expansion fee which you know in a recent context we hear is you know a hundred million dollars for nycfc it certainly wasn't for the union but hundred million dollars for nycfc are we talking about something else some sort of you know when you say franchise oh, fee what? 40 it was the expansion fee okay it was the expansion fee yeah I th- i'm pretty sure of that okay i don't know what other and, fee and there it, would
2: be it's, it's yeah I, I, what i was told let's see if i get the exact quote up here as agreed upon with mls at the time of expansion we were placed on a scheduled payment plan that we duly met okay so i think novak was trying to Now, look, the union have never had a ton of money, and Nick Sakevich has never made any secret, at least when it suited him over the years, that he lost a lot of money personally.
0: Sure, and when we know Sugarman took a hit, and the team has, uh, you know, in terms of his holdings, and the team has not always been operating on the same level as as some of the richer teams in the league. We knew that. We knew that there was some... I mean, this is why they have lagged behind in in training facilities and the like. But
2: the the idea of... um the idea of him, uh, th- sorry, excuse me. The idea of an MLS expansion team paying the entire expansion fee all in one check is a relatively new thing.
0: Okay. Yes. And and look, I mean, if you have the, yeah, if you're if you're Sheikh Mansour, you have the the money to write that check. Not everybody does. Philly I think
2: LAFC is the other
0: one. Yeah, it, well, they, they, you know, they, they they took up a collection. They passed a the hat around. Um, yes. it, you know, so so yeah, okay. So let's come to Shep Messing's role in trying to get Peter Novak. After probably being the guy to help him get the union job, now he's being asked to help him get another job, probably in Europe. And this is another reason. This is another element of the cause for which the union have said that that they fired Peter Novak.
2: Yeah, it was it was reported back at the time. I I got a tip from a reporter in Scotland that Novak was chasing after. I think it was Hearts. Remember that?
0: Yeah, I I, I it like it rings a bell. Unions, yeah, it, ring, it rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, okay. Here we go. First of all, let's note that the union paid U.S. Soccer seventy five thousand dollars in order to get him out of get Novak out of his. Buy Novak out of his contract as the head coach of the Olympic team. No,
0: Thereafter,
2: yeah. Novak, through messing, then tried to get a job with US soccer while as the head coach of the Union, even though he was contractually barred from seeking other employment. So, you know, thanks for thanks for that. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, there seems to be a, there seems to be, you know, the, 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 Novak position, the lawyer's position seems to be resting on, uh, you know, a, a, a very small, yeah, right, you right. know,
2: the, the technicality, technicality is, the technicality is he didn't breach the contract because Novak didn't reach out to any of these clubs directly. He had intermediaries do it for him to which the union said, now come on. And the arbitrator pretty well agreed with them. Um, And as I tweeted last night, what have we learned, class, about intermediaries in recent months Uh, in the sport of soccer around the world? Um, Okay. Quoting from a filing by uh, the union side of things. In April slash May of 2010, before the start of the 2010 Men's World Cup in South Africa, claimant Peter Novak Contacted Mr. Messing and told him that if the United States men's national soccer team did not do well in the World Cup, he wanted to take, to take over for Bob Bradley as head coach.
0: <laughs> and
2: the week the week after uh-huh. the loss to Ghana, Novak called Messing and asked and quote asked Messing to speak to Sunil Gulati, president of U.S. Soccer, and see if Claimant again. Clay, all references to Claimant here are Novak. Could become the next head coach of the men's national soccer team. He wanted to take over for Bob Bradley in this regard, who was still under contract with U.S. soccer at the time. Although he was reluctant to to Mr. Messing did, in fact, reach out to Mr. Galati on claimant's behalf, specifically notifying Mr. Galati, the claimant was interested in Bob Bradley's position. (laughs)
0: Uh, John, um, you know, we're running ra- rapidly out of time here. We got to get to the other big story, the, the situation with the Rochester Rhinos here in a couple minutes with Brendan Doherty. But I, I, I do want to put a bow on this, or I sort of want to wrap this thing up uh, with the revelation, with the other revelation for me that was, <laughs> well, it's not a revelation, it, it's public knowledge, but it's in in opposition to everything we've just learned and everything we just went through and the timeline of some of these things. And it's more properly laid out through your Twitter feed and some of the things people have collated, and I know you'll be writing this up. The union gave him an extension that would have only expired at the end of 2015, so a week ago. Right. What on earth? What on earth? Well...
2: Here's how I'd put a ball on this, and two things. One, I hope Chef Messing is enjoying the MLS Cup ring that Novak got him in 2004.
0: Yeah, by the way, I have some I have some, some concerns about Peter Novak's time in D.C. If this is what he was doing in Philadelphia, obviously he wasn't, he wasn't brand new to these uh, ideas of, uh, as, of player treatment, and uh, he had a 14-year-old Freddie Adu in his team back then.
2: As the filing states. There was one only, only one other instance in which the MLS Players Union asked the league to put into place a confidentiality agreement Relative to a league investigation into misconduct of any kind, that other instance involved Novak during his tenure as the head coach of D.C. United. Oh my God! I I mean, uh, I I don't. Okay, so here's, here's here's my bow on this, and then I'll you can rant as much as you like because I know you, I got to get out of here too. Okay, go. I started doing this as a way of trying to figure out what was really going on with the union, because they were, in Dick Sakevich's tenure until the very final days of it, a very secretive organization in a lot of ways. And everything that I have posted about in the course of this covering this lawsuit is on the public record. And I you know, when I was when I was guest hosting your Show on the day that Sakevich got fired. Yes. I mentioned on air that he threatened to sue me for libel at one point. <laughs> and the reason why he threatened to sue me for libel was that I was investigating a story that was related to, not directly in, but related to this case that came out of this case and things that were learned from. Sakevich made himself look pretty. Decent in this, but he certainly was no saint, especially given Novak's allegations that he pre-approved and condoned afterward the hazing activity in question. Um, but this whole thing, on my part, was a way at trying to bring some of the unions going on goings on into light in the public and to explain to people behind the scenes why it is that some of these folks.
0: Let's yeah.
2: So if it's Sikiewicz in particular, I'll say it's Sykevitch in particular. And I used to have a lot of respect for Novak, I don't need more, obviously. But that a lot of these guys, uh the fans needed to know about what they were really going on and what was really going on, and if they so chose. To hold the team to account and get some better leadership in, so that this team can fulfill its potential and what it ought to be for MLS.
0: Well, look, I mean, uh, the, the 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 silver lining, the good thing here, as Philadelphia Union fans process all of this, as as you go through seven hundred pages of documents, is that there is new leadership, that Ernie Stewart's on board, uh, that that there does seem to be a, a new <laughs> dawning. Uh, there's actual investment in some of the infrastructure elements for the Union. I, I don't know that it means they're going to be a better team next year, uh, John, but it definitely means that there's the the specter of the of the Sikhevich Novak era can be kind of washed away oh I sure think so and yeah. look I think the the
2: the union and this is an organization will say look one of the reasons why we don't have much to say is because it's all in the past and I get that I wish they'd clear some of these things up but it is in the past yeah, yeah. and they can move on now
0: yeah but I, and, I, I would, uh, go ahead you know sorry.
2: it's it's I'm not a fan of the team, people know that, but I, I certainly have been a fan of Ernie Stewart for a long time, yeah. as a lot of us have been, even uh, even the world-famous Eric Ronaldo who sometimes disagrees with things that MLS does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. yep. Yeah. Uh, we shall so, see how this goes with the union. i got to run, John. more stories to cover. Again, everybody follow the goalkeeper, read John's stuff. Um, in relation to this case, he's been as he says, been waiting on this for years, and we finally have some details out. John, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. There goes Jonathan Tanawell. Good stuff from him. Stepping aside, we'll come back. We'll focus in on Rochester, USL, our Rhinos ownership being ousted. Brendan Doherty from the Bent Musket will join us. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
2: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk.
1: Here's your host, Jason Davis.
0: All right, we are back on Soccer Morning. We have wrestled with technology, and, and we've won for the time being. We'll see how long it holds. Brendan Doherty joins us now, writes at the Bent Musket for SB Nation, covering the New England Revolution. He also uh, does a podcast called The USL Show, which covers well, the USL. We've got USL news today. <laughs> oh, Andy's from Rochester, New York. Hi, Brendan. Hey, Jason. So it's not a fun time to be a Rochester, New York soccer fan in light of the news that the USL has stripped the franchise rights from owner Rob Clark and is looking to uh, <laughs> to shift the ownership of the rights At least there's that. I mean, this isn't a team that's dropped off the face of the planet yet, but this can't be good.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, we've only had a couple of months um, to bask in the glory of lifting the USL trophy, um, going uh, the whole season, losing one game. Um uh, having the best defense in the league, I mean, breaking goal-scoring records in the league. I mean, the 2015 season was um, outrageous. Um, it was, it was you know, classic hard-nosed defense wins championships, uh, Rochester soccer. Um, and just a few months after that, um, <laughs> this news breaks last night. And, uh, you know, it's not necessarily all doom and gloom, but, you know, it does throw a wrench in, in any, you know, optimism and hope for the time being.
0: All right, so at, at, at this, the current situation right now, um, first of all, how long has Rob Clark been the owner of the Rhinos? Because we know this is a club that goes back, you know, into the '90s at, at the very least, and has a, a pretty long history in, in relative American soccer terms.
3: Yeah, uh, Rob Clark took over in March of 2008 ahead of the 2008 season, um, and he was the second ownership group. Um, <laughs> the first ownership group, um, which you know, had wrestled. Multiple times with whether to join MLS or not, and when to join MLS, and you know how much they wanted to play their hand that they wanted to join MLS, um, you know. But that's, I mean, you could write a book about that alone. Um, but that original ownership group racked up 10.6 million dollars of debt, and 2.1 million of that was held by a Utica bank called Adirondack Bank, which Rob Clark's dad happens to, uh, you know, sit on the board of directors at the time. Um, so, you know. It made sense for for Rob Clark at the time, who, you know, before that, he had formed a holding company, um, Adirondack Sports Club LLC, and was trying to, you know, figure out how to buy a lower division sports franchise, um, probably closer to Utica, where, you know, he lived and he still lives. Um, But, you know, having the the holding company in place already and knowing that they were probably going to take a loss on the $2.1 million they were owed by the you know, the original um, Rhinos ownership group, Rob Clark, stepped in um, ahead of the 2008 season um, and shelled out $2 million of his own money um, at the time to buy the team. Um, <laughs> at that time, the then mayor, um, Rob Duffy, and a bunch of, uh, you know, important city council members, they were all on board. They were at the, you know, the big ceremony. They were singing the praises of Rhinos and how much the Rhinos meant to the city and how excited they were to work with Clark um but you know that excitement wore off pretty quick
0: you you know this is um uh again again, a a team with a a pretty strong legacy um they they used to be the raging rhinos why you drop the raging i don't know brendan maybe we could talk about that but um (laughs) you know again 1996 founding 99 u.s open cup winners last non-mls team to, to lift that trophy um the the building of a soccer specific stadium outside of the MLS um environment was pretty notable uh when did when did that stadium get built
3: um the stadium opened in 2006 um the plans were made well in advance of that there were you know delays at every step of the process um uh even allocating money for somebody to survey land and you know create a study on you know the effective use of I don't know land in the city um so it didn't it didn't open until two thousand and six, which was before Rob Clark took over so a lot of the the sticking points of how much um exactly Rob Clark owes the city in taxes and who's responsible for you know which pieces of maintenance with the stadium um you know they they tend to to go back to before Clark took over mm. um, and you know when Clark took over. Um, he said that his intention was to um, basically buy the stadium off of the city. The city owned the stadium at the time. Um, his, his plan, uh, stated publicly, was for the city to continue to operate the stadium, the, the venue, for the 2008 season. Then after that, he was going to somehow find some other investors um, and with you know naming rights – to this hot property um, was going to basically buy control of, of the stadium away from the city. And then that was supposed to happen by 2009. And 2015 just ended and the city still owns the stadium. Well, so that it, never came it, together.
0: Is there, is there a reason? I mean, there's a reason. Obviously, look, uh, he Rob Clark has said that he lost a bunch of money running this team. That, that comes as no surprise to anybody who's been paying attention to American soccer, especially at the lower level, for a long time. I mean, we're, we've got a top division that is quote-unquote thriving and is still probably in the red overall (laughs) um so this is not a surprise but but why has why did that not come to fruition and ultimately is he contesting any of the things that are now happening in in usl's decision
3: um i don't really think so i think he's been looking for an out for a while because honestly who wants to lose four hundred thousand dollars a year and have to drive three hours um, you know, on the on the throughway on, on Interstate 90 in upstate New York to go to a, a game. And I mean in recent seasons, the team hasn't been good. Um after Bob Billy left um after the twenty eleven season, the Rhinos brought in Jesse Myers, who is a longtime assistant coach at Richmond Kickers. Um and even though he made it to a penalty shootout in the uh USL semifinals at the time, lost to I think Charleston Battery um you know his second season 2013 was abominable it was just awful um it was the worst season in in franchise history um at that time i think 18 years it was the first time the team never made the playoffs um the rhinos were about 5 minutes away from being the only team that year to drop points to um Antigua Barracuda FC yeah
0: there was
3: there was a team that played that entire season on the road because nobody wanted to fly down to Antigua um, so they played the entire season on the road. They, reg- they regularly lost games 5 nothing. They lost a game, I think, 7 nothing to another expansion team down in um, Florida that didn't last over a year. Um, so that, that Rhinos team was awful. Um, and, you know, this year Rob Clark made appearances at the games. He had his, um, like, luxury suite box right next to the press box. Um, so it was real easy to check if he was there or not. Um, but he was there, I want to say every single game, um, except, you know, the bad weather games where he didn't want to drive through torrential downpour, um, you know, three hours from Utica to Rochester. Um, but I mean, he was there, he was excited about the games, you know, it was his, his, I mean, plaything. Um, you talk about, uh, wealthy businessmen taking over sports franchises, you know, the, the rhinos were Clark's, you know, successful plaything in the 2015 season. Um, and he was excited about it, but the fans really soured on Clark a long time ago. Um, and they don't want an owner who is happy in the, you know, the privacy of his own luxury box when the team is, you know, the far and away, the best team in the league, the fans want an owner who is excited, who, you know, goes down and meets with the fans. Um, Sacramento Republic's owner, um, you know, got into the supporters section and was singing along with the supporters group yeah um arizona united's owner kyle Eng is on twitter all of the time um and he engages with fans at the game and he engages with anybody um including you know pro rel trolls and nesl trolls all the time on twitter um and you know rob clark is in that respect was kind of an absentee owner and that's I guess that's a, a bit of a silver lining for fans that if a deal is reached, you know, things could get better.
0: Uh, okay, um, you know, there, there there are a lot of details here in this particular case, and, and I'm going to talk to uh, I believe it's, it's Tom Veet, the uh, the chief marketing officer for USL. By the way, former mm-hmm. Philadelphia Union executive, which is interesting considering <laughs> our last topic, um, it, on on my Sirius Satellite show, Sirius XM Satellite Show today, Brendan. So I, I'll I'll get into a little bit more of what's happening on the ground and in Rochester. But before I run out of time with you, I do want to take this a little bit bigger picture as a guy who looks at, at USL as a whole. And we've obviously seen some massive changes. I mean, this all goes back to uh, the TOA and the split uh, between the USL and NASL owners back in 2009-2010, I think is, is when that happened, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, and if it, I
3: can cut in, um, Rochester initially left USL after they they, well, they initially committed to come back for the 2010 season. Then they decided to leave. So in December of 2009, USL actually filed a lawsuit against Rochester Rhinos and two other teams for breach of contract. Um, and then after the, the weird hybrid 2010 season, Rochester abandoned the NASL project and went back to USL. And partly because, I mean,
0: my understanding, partly because of cost and, and the and the amount of money that was going to be necessary to run an NASL team versus a USL team.
3: Right. And Rob Clark is, has always been looking for ways to, to cut costs. Um, I mean... There's a story that came out in the Democrat and Chronicle, the local paper, um, a while ago, where every employee that worked game night um, at Rhinos Games was responsible for two or three or four different tasks. Um, like before, pre game, you would take tickets. During the game, you would go around empty trash cans. After the game, you would clean bathrooms. I mean, uh, I think either the GM, um, Pat Ehrlich, or Rob Clark, I can't remember, um, you know, was even quoted saying like after the games they clean up trash from the 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 luxury suites um so like everybody everybody was you know putting in like a big team effort um just to cut costs and apparently it didn't work because clark was still losing up to four hundred thousand dollars a year
0: Uh, well i mean the economics of lower division sports and lower division soccer specifically are are, are tough um you know coming back to again that split and the and the way that things went in american soccer and then Obviously, coming to this moment, uh, USL has changed and USL ultimately decided to partner with MLS and, 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 uh, become a de facto MLS reserve division in addition to having these independent teams. Rochester, Richmond, obviously Sacramento's new, but has been a a massive success. We've seen a couple, there are a couple of other teams in that group. And there's a question I have here. Uh, C, I'm not going to get his name right, but I'm going to say (laughs) Pifler. C Pifler on Twitter wants to know, um, he says, uh, the obviously USL taking over the Rhinos. Austin has shut down operations, which I read in your article about Musket and it hadn't caught up on. Yeah. Austin has yeah. shut down operations for 2016 because of how much money they lost in USL in 2015. Uh, is there a threat to the independent clubs, the Harrisburgs, the Rochester's, the Richmond's, uh, the Austins in USL in light of of how everything is kind of playing out?
3: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, I mean, Austin just lost an unfathomable amount of money um they had a two million dollar operating budget and they went over that by a million dollars um and before the season kicked off they offered all any player that they had under contract in preseason to any other team in usl no questions asked for free free transfer for any player they had under contract because they were they were so far over budget even in preseason but with with the new new ownership groups coming into usl um Linder family for FC Cincinnati, um, Indiana Pacers owner Herb Simon, who's going to run the, the Reno team that enters the league in 2017. And then the the San Antonio Spurs, um, Spurs sports and entertainment group owning the San Antonio team. Um, and it looks like the, the direction the league's going is unless you're um, like an MLS two team, you need to have just a filthy rich ownership group. Um, I mean, the the Aztecs looked like they were a solid organization. They had run, I mean, they were a professional team before, before they moved, before that team uh, franchise relocated to Orlando. Um, and then they were a PDL team for, uh, a successful PDL team for a few years before they made the jump to USL. Um, so you would think that that organization would have, you know, have their stuff together, but they lost in, like a million dollars in one season. Um so you you look at teams like Wilmington Wilmington has had to take a hiatus before because they you know they didn't want to waste money <laughs> on a season that they didn't think was going to work out for them. Um Charlotte Eagles took a took a um drop down to the amateur PDL um uh, because they didn't want to their their structure as you know a, a Christian mission based soccer team couldn't handle the rising cost of competing in in the new USL. Yeah.
0: Um.
3: And you look at teams like Charleston, teams like Richmond, um, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg. Um. You know, Richmond, Charleston, Rochester been around for you know 20 years. Um. So if if the league's not afraid to play hardball with a team that's been around for 20 years that has won titles in you know several different variations of second and third division soccer. Um, that lifted a title just a few months ago I mean what what is that going to do I mean what does that say to other you know um, long-standing USL teams
0: yeah well well, I mean that's that's the trouble here I got Dell on Twitter he's saying um, hoping for news on my USL team the Charleston Battery no news about players or preseason so that's and that's I mean it's it's fairly early. It's still the first week of January, but these things get ramped up pretty quickly. Season probably started in April. Uh, you know, so there's got to be some sort of movement, at least when it comes to signing players in the lake. The battery, yeah. the, you know, the battery are, are, are 93 established. So Richmond, 90, 93, Rochester, 96. Uh, I think, uh, Wilmington, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is independent. Obviously, Sacramento. Uh, there's a couple other teams. There's some, some new independent teams as well. At uh, I think Colorado Springs, technically independent. Oklahoma City, technically independent, I believe, and they're completely now that they're uh, disconnected from Sporting, who has their own second uh, reserve team in mm-hmm. the league. So so we'll we'll see. I, I to to just kind of wrap this up, Brendan. Before we move on here, what do you think is the ultimate outcome in Rochester? Um, and and do you do? You, I mean, are we gonna, are we talking about the Rochester Rhinos playing soccer in 2016?
3: Oh, I think that's definitely still on the cards because, the, I mean, the the, the league's um, tension with Rob Clark was the fact that Rob Clark didn't want to do what the city wanted. Like, the Rob Clark didn't want to play ball with the city um, and pay the back taxes. The city had already allocated the funds to repair the field conditions to repair the video board, and the c- city employees interviewed by... Um, Jeff at the Democrat and Chronicle, who's covered the Rhinos since 96. Um, city employees told Jeff that, you know, they would definitely be willing <laughs> to uh, actually follow through with the repairs with a different Rhinos ownership group. Okay. I mean, the the city doesn't want to have nobody um, playing at Salem Stadium. They would rather have a, a primary tenant, a men's professional soccer team as the primary tenant at Salem Stadium rather than, you know, have it sit empty for a majority of the summer. I mean, the Western New York Flash, the professional women's team plays there. Um, There was a a lacrosse team playing there. High school sports play there. There's some concert um, there over the summer. But the city would much rather have, you know, a stable primary tenant there. Um, And now that Rob Clark's gone, um, whatever financial uh, agreement is reached between a prospective new owner, the league, and the city, I think everybody wants the deal to happen. Um so it's, I think it's likely that a deal happens and you know the 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 team has 10 players under contract already. Mm-hmm. Um the team is keeping all of the staff in place according to the, the the league's press release. Um so despite the I mean the the shocking news last night everything is still tentatively you know scheduled as a, business as usual. Um the okay. the Rhinos traditionally start training camp the last week of February. Um they've already they would have already started some um, open tryouts, and then they have a series of uh, invitational combine-type tryouts. And then training camp starts the last week of February. Preseason starts in March. Um, so there's not that much time to get a deal done, but I think that mm-hmm. the league in the city, especially the, the Tom Veit and, and other league um, employees are coming up to Rochester to really put... Um, a lot of effort into making a deal happen. Yeah,
0: they, they, this is the big guns. They, they've sent in their. They, I mean, for the, we, uh, I've used this analogy before in other soccer circumstances, but we'll call uh, Tom invite the, the fixer, the, the wolf here. He's going to come in and, and, and fix things. Um, at least that's the goal, I imagine. Um, we'll, we'll move on here. We'll see what happens in Rochester. Certainly want to see the Rochester Rhinos continue to, uh, to be a part of the American soccer scene. Again, longer history than most. Um, especially when it comes to lower division soccer. And, and, and fascinating to me, Brendan, and uh, you know, I don't know what, what, what memories you'll have of, of that situation, but uh, I've long said that there's, there's to me there's got to be a, a, a long-form, behind-the-scenes, in-depth story to be written about how close Rochester came to MLS expansion back in the day.
3: Yeah, what I understand is that on two occasions, Rochester came within a week of joining
0: MLS. That is pretty quick. I mean, they're pretty close. That's that's, (laughs) about as close as you can get without it happening. Brendan Doherty, Bent Musket at SB Nation, uh, talking New England Revolution, and in this case, talking Rochester Rhinos. Also, the USL Show, which you can follow on Twitter at uh, the USL Show, and Brendan's on Twitter at Doherty Soccer. Brendan, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. There goes uh, Brendan Doherty. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll briefly open up the phones. I don't have a whole lot of time today, but we'll get you in here on a Wednesday. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome
2: to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason
0: Davis. All right, here we are on a Wednesday. Briefly, from phone lines are open, and I think we're going to get at least one caller in on today's program. So two guests means we we get kind of full up, and these were very interesting topics today. The lawsuit, Peter Novak versus the Philadelphia Union and the revelations therein uh, with Jonathan Tannewald. That by itself is a killer show. Then we we add in Brendan Doherty and the perspective on the situation with the Rochester Rhinos up in Western New York and and whether or not they can continue to be an ongoing concern. Again, I've said this. You guys have heard me, and I'm going to put this on a T-shirt one day if I can boil it down to a catchy phrase. The worst thing that can happen in American soccer is for a team to die. We need teams to live, to exist, to continue on, to keep those fan bases and grow them. Now, look, it's... It's tough to run a team. It's tough to make money running a, a sec, especially a second division team, in the United States of America, uh, or third division in this case, I guess. I, I don't know what the solution is to those problems. More, uh you know, more people caring about the sport, obviously. But how do you get there? I mean, that's that's the issue. Let's go to Aaron in Jersey. It's been a little while. Hey, Aaron.
1: Yeah, hi. I just got back literally last night from uh, from Europe. I was there for three and a half Ooh. weeks on vacation. So Did you
0: take any football in to- Italy?
1: Yeah? yeah, absolutely. I saw uh, Stuttgart match. I saw Florentina match uh, at the end of uh, or you know middle middle end of, of December, and then uh, uh, a couple of. Uh, uh, German matches. And so, and then I even saw some of their second division football, which was pretty, pretty cool. And, uh, where I was staying in Verona, there was a fifth division team literally right at the end of the block. Nice. So it was, it was a lot well, of fun. Well, now
0: you're back um, in, you're back in the United States where we don't care as much Aaron, so.
1: <laughs> Yeah, about anything like that. But, um, yeah, so it, you know, it was kind of sad to, 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 you know, hear what's going on in, uh, Rochester and and, and and really more to the point that, you know, basically USL is, you know, almost like this m- subprime mortgage picking ground, you know, for, for MLS, the kind of cherry pick. And I think that's really kind of part of the problem with the, you know, the, the lower divisions is that there just isn't any kind of superstructure, whether it's, you know, the National Federation or MLS, which are the two biggest structures we have. That want to put any kind of, you know, conditions or or kind of energy behind it, except to kind of cherry pick
0: franchises. Well, okay, there and there. We're, we're we're working again. This is the this is one of my continuing issues, and it's a question. It's not I'm not I'm not taking a position here. I'm asking a question for you first. Do we want yeah. to operate uh, from the from the position that soccer is supposed to be? Uh, a multi-level situation uh, a la europe a la south america where you know every town has a team and they're supposed to be at least somewhat uh you know not if not profitable then at least getting by uh, and that's a, a necessary part of being part of the soccer world or do we should we just go on what i think is a more modern approach which is that hey to have 25 teams in a top division is it's pretty much what we do in this country. I mean, it's not like there's a minor league for for American football. It's not like it's not like the D League is something anybody cares about. It minor league baseball is constantly changing teams and and allegiances and names and clubs are disappearing and coming back. I I, I don't know. I don't know, Aaron.
1: I, I mean the uh, I guess where I think it's a little different in soccer, and I would say basketball is going to get there probably the second half of this century as. Trust me, the basketball in parts of Europe is really good. I mean, some of it's scary good. And is that is that basically soccer, there's such a strong alternative set of choices to watch eight or very good that I think it's incumbent on any upstart. And it, we just happen to be the United States in this. Remember, we were an upstart in hockey, too. I mean, you know, so we, we've been in the upstart business in, in, in other sports that weren't our primary sports. And you do put some developmental structure in place. I'm not saying anywhere near the 50,000 divisions that England has or something crazy like that, but there is a choice between zero divisions underneath you and England. And and I think that choice is somewhere, and I actually don't think we're too far off. It's somewhere between two and six, seven, you know, so maybe four, is probably the safe number. And by the way, football does have minor leagues. They're just uh, allowed to make a ton of money on the athletes without paying. Them well, sure, but but, but, we, but I'm talking and about the
0: the genesis of the of, of that structure wasn't the notion that every town has a team that is part of you know you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying okay absolutely it's, it's a it's, a, yeah, it's a different no, no, I, I, I'm not
1: trying to play gotcha there. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest to say that that development is incumbent and in complex. Yes. team sports, especially for, for these modern specialized roles where, you know, the ability to make a goalkeeper is just really hard, right? I mean, you need someone with the Gladwell 10,000 or maybe 10 times that hours in it. And, and I think you need these layers or else you always abort your kind of development. And the thing I would say is the real, the real heart of it to me is that if owners want something out of this, because you know San Antonio Spurs buy a team, but if the league isn't any good, then 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 what is what are they buying in the end? I mean they're going to flush five ten million down the drain and then not understand soccer because they think they're buying something good. Yeah, yeah. and then they're playing at a really poor level. You you, you know the, the player quality just isn't there. They 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 can't get you know the players in et cetera. So I, I think at the end. And by the way, we had this before in American sports. We had this with football in the 1920s. It was horrible. I mean, professional football was a joke then. It was college football that was great. And it took a, a structuring to actually create a top division, which is basically what the yeah. NFL did or, yeah. or, or, or became. And, and and I would just say that I think we're mature enough, I, I, I like to hope we are, that – we could We could put some things in place here, you know that and i don't I don't mean some overarching crazy stuff, but i but I think a basic running your audit flash report every month, like here's your budget, you can't overspend it by ten percent, or else you go on the red flash list,
0: yeah, and
1: you know so that teams don't have a two million dollar budget they, to spend three and implode I mean, I think that's just weird, yeah, you wouldn't I, do that in any other business
0: i don't I don't. Uh, you know, the, I, I know U.S. Soccer has those uh, ownership requirements in place, uh, the standards. I, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know how they're applying in this situation uh, in Rochester. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Austin again taking a hiatus isn't good. Uh, I mean, you know, again, we're coming to. I,
1: I, I mean, to you know, to to me, it's weird that a U.S.L. team, which I, I mean, I've seen them play a few times, so I can't judge this. I'll bet they could beat some NASL teams, you know, and so basically a USL winning team that could probably play in the NASL pretty easily is just like done or nowhere or kind of neutral sideways. I mean, that's just that's just weird. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. it, it's like all it's like those Italian scandals you know, in the decades in the past where a team would like, like match fixing and the whole thing would implode and they'd go down five divisions. I mean, that, I'm not saying that was good, but it kind of made sense. I mean, you know, like everyone was throwing a match, but at least there was some justification behind it, you know, and in this it's just kind of like, yeah, I really don't want to buy my new Ferrari uh, and pay the payments anymore. I mean, that just shouldn't, you know, like you shouldn't be allowed to have a club without a bond. Without some insurance, without at least maybe another year's running operating expenses. And then if there becomes a problem, then you tap that, you run that club for another clean year, you put it under administration, and yeah. then basically, you know, from there on, it, it, it yeah, you know, I, someone I, I, else buys I, it off or whatever.
0: We, we are, we're talking about some, you know, the, the structure of, of all of this. I mean, uh, okay. I, again, I don't know exactly how this is going to play out. I, I think there are some, there are continue to be big questions about how we want to operate this thing. And I think for some people, it boils down to, Aaron, I'm going to to wrap it up here because i do have to run yep. that you know it, it's whether or not soccer is exceptional and we should be turning towards that direction which makes it you know um the european model or something approaching it again soccer is, is exceptional in that it requires multiple divisions and and movement between divisions and uh this kind of approach uh, this kind of local tiered approach etc cetera, etc cetera, or America and American sports is exceptional and really the way we are running this with most of our focus on a top division and then the, the minor leagues are always going to be the wild, the, the wild West is actually the best and most pragmatic way to go.
1: And, and, and I think you nail it And that I the, the real challenge becomes um, how much money are we going to make and spend doing this and what's the quality of what we're going to get out of the product. And in and, and over decades, is that quality going to, you know, right. demonstrably improve yeah. or is it going to be pretty static? Yeah, that's and gonna... that's, you know, that's going to really be the heart of the of the yeah. test. And and we can measure these things on coefficients, which I know we don't like to do because we don't like to do all these other types of things, champions and regional CONCACAF and all that stuff. But, you know, I think it boils down to what kind of product do we really want here? And we've never really kind of said we want the best product. We just say we are the best product. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think because yeah. we're used to always having the best product.
0: Yeah, well, um, the, the, that that sort of the, the, our isolation uh, um, sort of resolved that issue for us without that question having to be to be asked. It's never had to be asked before, and yet here it is. Um, except
1: when we go in the World Cup, except when we go in the World Cup or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know what? One thing I will say, you know, last thing is, They love us over there and and just all these types of things we're really trying to do. I mean, they think it's remarkable. I had these great conversations where people would just say, you know, the idea that we would get into ice hockey you know, like in Italy, and then just like, just fight for decades <laughs> to just, you know, like qualify for the Olympics. And, right. and, and you know, and, and and it wasn't a crazy analogy, because, you know, like we were in the north, and it was friggin cold up there. And, uh, you know, and it was like, yeah, you could play ice hockey here. I mean, you know, right. easily. And, yeah. uh, um and it was actually kind of an interesting way to think about it, which is, you know, you're, you're kind of imposing, or you're trying hard to you know, get some of our stuff and South American stuff and your own stuff, right. and 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 stumbling through it. And but we pre- we see you, and and I'll tell you, they they love Tim Howard. They think he is really? a god for for that game he had against Belgium. I mean, ah, that that yes. is like a. Big time game for them to, to to view us, and It's pretty amazing, actually.
0: Uh, Aaron, I would love to hear more stories. I'm, I'm out of time. Maybe we can get you back on the air <laughs> yeah. shortly. But I appreciate your call. Great to hear from you again. Thanks Thank you. All right, goes awesome. to, uh, goes, to Aaron. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. it's an it, that is an interesting way to think about it. That that the, the you know, as Americans, it is in our it is in our nature. At least this is what we're doing to take ourselves out of our own little box and try to put ourselves in somebody else's box. If you want to look at it that way, or we want to participate in everything, whereas you know the italians and the spanish and 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 the brazilians and the the germans and the 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 russians or whoever generally speaking put, keep themselves in their own box they don't de- they don't really uh, they're not chasing the dream of becoming a top uh basketball power i mean maybe italy is a little bit on that front certainly not doing american football certainly not doing baseball i mean the, the when when italy participates in the in the world baseball classic they have people like uh you know they have they have uh, Americans who have Italian heritage. That's how that works. I mean, it's basically how we're building our soccer. Never mind. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Thank you very much for listening on a Wednesday, man. What a show. Uh, Jonathan Tannawalt, thank you to him. Thank you to Brendan Doherty for his insight as well. We will rush out of here. We got the Sirius XM show coming up. Tom Veit, Veit, we're gonna check on that from USL. We'll join us there. See you then. Bye.